I'm Scott Aniel, and welcome to By the Waters of Babylon, a podcast dedicated to discussion of Christianity in a post-Christian culture. What is the mission that Christ has given to us as his church? One of the most poignant statements that Jesus himself made about our mission is found in both John 17 and John 20. In John 17, as part of Christ's high priestly prayer to his Father, he says in verse 18, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Here you can see that a major theme of this high priestly prayer of Christ is what Jesus intends to be the mission of his people in the world. In this prayer, Jesus specifically defines what he wants us to do in the world as his people. So what is our mission? Well, we first have to ask what the point of comparison here is when he says, as you have sent me, so have I sent them. He says something similar in John 20, directly addressing his apostles when he says, as the Father sent me, even so I send you. So what's the comparison between Jesus's mission and our mission? Well, the emphasis here is upon the fact that just like Jesus was responsible to do what his father told him to do, so we are responsible as Christ's representatives, as his commissioned people, to do what Christ has commanded us to do. The important point here is that the comparison is not really between Christ's mission and our mission per se, but rather between the fact that just as Jesus was given a specific mission from the Father that he was supposed to accomplish, so we have been given a specific mission by the Son that we must obey. And it's important to recognize that what we have been told to do by Christ, although it is certainly related to his mission, is not the same as his mission. This is important because there are some today who argue, based on this high priestly prayer and Jesus' statement in John 20, that Jesus' mission was to redeem the world, and therefore our mission is to redeem the world, or redeem culture. And usually what they mean by redeeming culture is taking certain aspects of culture that the world uses for evil and instead using them for good. Or others insist that since Jesus healed the sick and helped the needy, then it is our mission as the church to heal people and provide for the poor. Now, there are lots of problems with that kind of thinking, but the one that's relevant for this discussion is that it fails to recognize the uniqueness of Christ's mission. Jesus healed the sick and the blind, but he did so for a specific purpose. He did so to prove that he was Messiah not simply healing for its own sake. Jesus came to redeem the world, but that was unique to him as Savior of the world. We as the church are never commanded to redeem anything. So let's take a moment and look at what Jesus himself identifies as his mission in John 17, and then what he identifies as our mission as his people. Notice what Jesus says in John 17 verse 1. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, notice this, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. 
And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Notice that Christ says he has accomplished the mission the Father gave him. Again, this is important because there are some today who suggest that our mission is to complete the mission that Jesus somehow did not finish. No, whatever it is that Jesus was commanded to do by the Father, he says here in John 17 that he accomplished it. And second, notice that Christ's mission was to do what the Father gave him to do. In other words, his mission was to obey the Father's instructions. The Father gave him a specific work, and the Son obeyed. He accomplished his mission by faithfully obeying the Father's commands. This is important. Sending implies authority. He who is sent must obey the commission of the sender. This may seem obvious, but let's not just pass over this. Remember, Jesus is himself fully God. He is one with the Father. The Trinity is a huge mystery, but it is significant that Jesus did not just do whatever he thought was best or wanted to do. He obeyed the Father's will for him. He accomplished the work that the Father gave him to do. In John 4.34, he said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. In John 5.30, he said, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. In John 6.38, Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus was on earth to do what the Father commanded him. And remember, in some way that I don't pretend to understand, Jesus did not want to go to the cross. He asked the Father to take that cup away from him. But at the end of the day, he said, not my will, but yours be done. You see, God was not interested in creativity or ingenuity or clever methods. He was simply interested in his son obeying his instructions and accomplishing the work he gave him to do. And then third, notice the end goal of Christ's mission. It was to glorify the Father. Jesus' mission was to glorify the Father by accomplishing the work that he was given to do by the Father. God would not have been glorified had Jesus done his own thing or created his own plan, even if he had done so with good motives. The thing most glorifying to God is obedience to his commands, because that revealed that Jesus trusted his Father's will and wisdom. And so what is that work that he had been given by the Father to do? Well, he summarizes it in verse 2, to give eternal life to all whom the Father had given to him. Christ's mission was to redeem a people through his perfect life, his sacrifice of atonement, and his victorious resurrection. But it wasn't simply a redemption for its own sake, as verse 3 explains. It was a redemption toward the end that this redeemed people would know the only true God and Jesus Christ, his Son. The purpose of Jesus' mission was that these redeemed people would have restored communion with God that had been broken by sin, that they would worship and glorify him against whom they had rebelled. This, according to Jesus, is the definition of eternal life, communion with God for his glory. And so Jesus' mission was essentially to create worshipers out of sinners through his shed blood on the cross and his defeat of sin and death made manifest by his resurrection. This brought glory to himself and ultimately glory to God the Father. But Jesus continues in verse 6 
to further explain the work that he was given to do. First, he says, he made God known. He manifested God's name. Christ displayed the glory and magnificence of the Father in ways that no one else could because he is God. If you have seen the Son, you have seen the Father. And so through his life, his actions, his character, and ultimately his death and resurrection, Christ made God known. But he did not make God known only through his actions. Notice what he says at the end of verse 6. They, that is those whom the Father gave to the Son, those to whom he granted eternal life, those to whom he made God known, they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me. Jesus made God known through the proclamation of God's word. And that proclamation led to belief. He says, and they have received the word and come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. That word that Jesus proclaimed, the word that he had been given to him by the father was the means through which his people believed in him and trusted in him as the source of forgiveness and eternal life. It was not enough for him to accomplish atonement or make God known only through his actions. People are saved through faith, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The only way his people would come to know him was through proclamation, proclamation of the glorious good news of redemption made possible through the shed blood of Christ. So, how does Jesus describe his own mission? The mission of Jesus was to glorify God by accomplishing the work that he was given to do. And that work was to create worshipers by accomplishing atonement and making God known to them through his life and through the proclamation of God's word. That was the mission that the Father sent the Son to accomplish, and this mission was indeed finished, accomplished by Jesus. And so it's in that context that Jesus says in verse 18, as you sent me into the world, to do your will, to accomplish your mission of redemption, to create worshipers out of sinners, as you sent me, so I have sent them into the world. His mission leads to our mission. Our mission is not to do the same thing that Jesus did. Our mission, like Christ's mission, is to do what we have been uniquely commissioned to do by Christ. Remember, sending implies authority. He who is sent must obey the commission of the sender. And so John 17 introduces us to what that commission is. In verse 20, Jesus said, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So we find that just as Christ was commissioned to make God known, he has commanded us to make Christ known to others. The only way others will believe in Christ is if they're told by us. And that is what we have been commissioned to do. Faith in Jesus comes only through hearing about him. And just like Jesus made the Father known through the proclamation of his word, so we make Christ known through the proclamation of his word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. No one will know Christ, no one will believe in Christ, unless someone proclaims him to them. We must go into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. 
The message that the Son of God became man and lived a perfect life, obeying the law that we could not obey. The message that this perfect God-man sacrificed himself in our place and took the punishment of death that we rightly deserve. The message that this Savior rose from the dead and proved that he had satisfied the wrath of God and offers forgiveness of sin to all who repent of their sin and believe in him. This is the word that we are commissioned to proclaim to the world. And then notice what happens when people believe our word about Jesus. He says in verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This belief in Jesus through our word unifies these new believers with us into Christ's spiritual body. And what's more, this very unity draws more people in the world to belief. Communion with God and communion with our fellow believers is one of the most potent ways that we make Christ known to the world. And when we add to that display of unity, the preached word about Christ's life and death and resurrection, people will believe. According to Christ's words, unity is both produced by the gospel and it is that which will draw others to believe when it is combined with the proclamation of the gospel. But it's also important to recognize that this very unity is what will ultimately separate us from the unbelieving world. Jesus says in verse 14, I have given them your word. That's the word that we're meant to proclaim as a means to making Christ known to the world. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So this unity that will make Christ known to the world is a unity that separates us from the world. That may seem a bit strange. It would seem that if we want to reach the world, we should try to be as much like them as we can be. We should conform ourselves and our message as close as we can to the world so that they can relate to us and we can reach them. But that's not how Christ presents our mission. And remember, our mission is to do what he tells us to do. He says that our mission, his word, will actually cause the world to hate us. Our unity with him and with his word and with each other will set us apart from the world. According to Jesus in verses 15 and 16, we are sent into the world. He doesn't want to remove us from the world because he wants us to make him known to the world. But even though we are sent into the world, we are not of the world because he is not of the world. In other words, we don't share the world's values. We don't share the world's loves. We do not conform to the world, even in our noble desire to reach the world. So our unity is not, as many would claim today, a watering down of the truth or a a conformity to the behavior of this world or a minimizing of doctrine so that we can all get along and reach the world. On the contrary, our unity is with God and with Christ and with one another, and it is based on being distinct from the world and set apart by the truth of the word. So this is what we have been commissioned by Christ to do. Just as Christ had to obey his Father's will for him, so Christ calls us, his followers, to accomplish the mission that he has given to us. And that mission is to make him known to the world. We do that through the proclamation of the word 
and through a display of unity with each other in the church that is set apart from the world by the truth of his word. And we do this not for its own sake, but so that we can draw more and more people into the fellowship and worship and glory of God and in union with us in the church in order to bring him all honor and glory. This is our mission as individual Christians, but more importantly, this is the mission of the church. Christ gave this directive to his apostles, and those apostles, as the foundation of the church, extend that directive to us as his church today. Churches today are so distracted by many different things that they say are part of their mission, but that actually draw their attention away from that which they are actually commissioned by Christ to do. They may be doing other things for good motives. They may think their creativity is actually accomplishing God's will better than it would otherwise. They may assume that since our culture and our situation is so different from that of the first century, surely we need to come up with ingenious ways to attract unbelievers to the gospel or bring Christians along in their sanctification. But when Christ said to the early founders of the church, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you, what he was saying is that we as a church cannot call something our mission unless it is something that he has explicitly given for us to do. You see, when we add to that mission or think that we have come up with a newer, better, creative way to please God, we are actually doubting God's wisdom and sovereignty. We are implying that when Jesus gave us our mission, he didn't anticipate our situation or culture, but he did. The mission Jesus has given us is enough, and it is our responsibility as his body to accomplish the work that he has given us to do. And what is that work? What is our mission? I love how Kevin DeYoung and Greg Gilbert articulate the church's mission in their book, which I highly recommend, What is the Mission of the Church? They say this, The mission of the church is to go into the world and make disciples by declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit and gathering these disciples into churches, that they might worship the Lord and obey his commands now and in eternity to the glory of God the Father. Let us commit once again, as individual Christians and as churches, to obey Christ's commission to us to make him known by preaching the gospel to all creation so that we all might be drawn in communion with God and with each other for the glory of God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to By the Waters of Babylon. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or other podcasting services. And if you enjoy the podcast, please give us a rating. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash scottannual. I blog at religiousaffections.org. And for articles, audio, and speaking itinerary, visit scottannual.com. Join me next time as we discuss issues related to Christianity in a post-Christian culture. Mm-hmm.